Are you tired? Cause, cause I'm pretty tired. Every day I'm exhausted by the unspeakable cruelty that is life in the United States. It fills me with an incredible agony, and I imagine you might feel the same way. I think it's incredibly apparent to anyone who lives in America right now that this country has failed us. Last week marked the passage of Thanksgiving as food banks across the country were overwhelmed and one in six Americans, 54.7 million people, went hungry in the richest nation on earth. 18 million people can't pay their rent or their mortgages. The CDC eviction moratorium expires December 31st, but not only has the CDC decision not stopped evictions, but there's been no rent or mortgage relief, so those bills have just been accumulating and accumulating, getting ready to absolutely wipe out millions of people in less than a month. Let me read you some statistics from a recent article in Bloomberg that's linked in the sources in the description. Over 40% of households in Florida, South Carolina, Maryland, Wisconsin, Arkansas, Kansas, South Dakota, Wyoming, and Nevada are facing eviction or foreclosure in the next two months. A reality also facing over 30% of adults in Rhode Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Ohio, West Virginia, Delaware, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, Illinois, Michigan, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Idaho, Oregon, Alaska, California, Arizona, and Utah. As a matter of fact, there is only one state, Maine, where less than 11% of adults are facing eviction. We lead the world with over a quarter of a million people dead, and there are those in our own government who view that as an acceptable loss, simply the cost of doing business. After all, tens of millions of Americans are unemployed or underemployed. Millions more are facing homelessness or hunger, but the Dow Jones Industrial Average just hit a record high. We are being psychologically tortured by our government. Nine months ago, they gave some people a measly $1,200. Now portioned out, that's $4.39 per day. But even if we're using that money in a lump sum, it doesn't even cover the cost of an average month's rent, which clocks in at around $1,450. Of course, rents have decreased during the pandemic, but in a perverse, albeit entirely expected, twist only for those who could already afford to pay them. This is something that I've wanted to point out for a while now, but I never really found the opportunity, so I'm going to do it now. You would think that a global depression would cause prices to fall for everyone, but that's not how it works. As a matter of fact, the neighborhoods that have been hardest hit by COVID have seen practically no change in the price of housing, while those least effective have seen their rents slashed. And why is that? Well, it's because the government has intentionally withheld relief, forcing people to either go and work in person or become homeless. 
People catch it at work because the government has decided that they'd rather kill you than send you a check. You go home and give it to your family, and then all of a sudden it's spread through the whole neighborhood because all of your neighbors are forced to go to work or starve to death. And of course, even as your pay is slashed and your hours reduced, your rent stays the same because nobody can afford to leave. It turns out it's quite expensive to be poor. Meanwhile, the idle rich in their penthouses across town can buy new homes in the country, causing the average rent paid by the rich to plummet as the housing market is flooded with luxury units. That's just one of the thousands of ways that the American COVID failure has initiated an incredibly vast upward transfer of wealth that saw 614 people, just 614, about the size of my graduating class at college, 614 people to increase their wealth by $931 billion. That's enough new money in the pockets of just 614 people to give every single one of the 328 million in America $2,800, more than double what the government decided to only give some over half a year ago. Now you might be saying, oh, but those are private individuals and not the government, so it doesn't matter, but it does. Wealth is a fixed pie. So if, like in America, the top 0.01% controls 5% of all the wealth, and the top 1% as a whole controls 22% of all of the wealth, that means that there's less available for you to be able to buy groceries and pay rent. And of course, even though they absolutely didn't need it, the rich got bailout after bailout after bailout, while the rest of us drowned. Remember those Triple P loans at the beginning of lockdown? The Paycheck Protection Program? The one that was designed to help struggling small businesses. Well, it should come as no surprise that those loans were actually used to line the pockets of big corporations. Here's a couple of the uh, small businesses and what they got from the program. Shake Shack, 10 million. Ruth Chris Steakhouse, 20 million. Potbelly Sandwiches, 10 million. The LA Lakers, 4.6 million. Oh, and by the way, the Lakers are owned by the Bus family, who have a net worth of $11.2 billion. Uh, Kanye West, who is uh, worth $1.3 billion, received a triple P loan for his company Yeezy to the tune of oh, somewhere between $2 and $5 million. How many of you can think of a family business that is now closed forever? According to Yelp statistics collected all the way back in September, since March 1st, 61% of restaurants, 58% of retail stores, and 54% of bars that have closed will remain so forever. Of course, since that information was taken, it's only gotten worse. And of course, like anything else in America, those odds are worse if you're not white. As a matter of fact, if you're a black small business owner who applied for a triple P loan, then there was roughly a 95% chance that you would get rejected. In America, we have very specific financial priorities. 
If it's for war, or for the police, or for big corporations, then we write check after check after check. But when it comes to education, and social safety nets, and our quality of life, then we just better search the couch cushions. Just like in 2008, when the banks that had been committing fraud got a scot-free bailout while millions of Americans lost their jobs and homes and were told to, in the words of Berkshire Hathaway Vice Chairman Charlie Munger, suck it up and cope, the same holds true in 2020. There's a reason why average people are suffering, but the Dow Jones is reaching record highs. America has two economies. And this is definitely a cliché line, but the government has saved Wall Street and abandoned Main Street. Extremely generous policy from the Federal Reserve has Wall Street sipping champagne in their first-class berth aboard the Titanic. You see, the Federal Reserve has this policy they call quantitative easing, which means they go over to their desk and log onto the money computer, create a few trillion dollars, and then put it into the banking system through what's called a liquidity injection. Now, the reason that the stock market's doing so well while the rest of us are not is because the Fed is propping up the market with liquidity injections. Because of the depression that our real economy is in, individuals don't have the money to buy stocks and bonds. Now, if you really take a deep sip of the freshman year economics Kool-Aid, then you would say that there would be a corresponding contraction in the stock market until the prices reach equilibrium and people can resume buying financial products. So, why hasn't that happened in reality? Well, the Federal Reserve decided that it would intercede on behalf of the investor class in order to preserve the value of their portfolios. So, if you have effectively unlimited money, and you want to prevent losses in a market that has been severely damaged, what do you do? Well, you buy everything in sight. And as Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said, the Federal Reserve is not going to run out of ammunition. The government is willing to exert limitless power to preserve the amazing wealth of corporations, but when it comes to making sure that a quarter of the country doesn't become homeless in the dead of winter, all of a sudden it's, oh, sorry, I must have left my wallet in my other pants. I think that there are a few things that illustrate this reality better than the new stimulus bill that's garnered bipartisan support in the House. 70% of Americans want direct cash payments, but not only does this bill not include a stimulus check, but it slashes the long-expired $600 unemployment benefit to $300, and also includes a corporate liability shield that would prevent you from being able to sue a corporation if you died of COVID because of an unsafe workplace. Now, a month ago, the Republicans offered a $1.8 trillion COVID bill, which was rejected by Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who called it, quote, not even half a loaf. Now, if you thought that $1.8 trillion was woefully inadequate, then it's pretty confusing as to why she's currently rallying Democrats to support the current bill, which clocks in at $908 billion, just about half that size. Even though Democrats had spent months pushing a multi-trillion dollar relief bill, when pressed by reporters as to why she accepted such an insultingly small offer, Pelosi said, quote, The fact is, I'm very proud of where we are, citing the incoming Biden administration and the discovery of a vaccine as a, quote, total game changer. Well, the general population won't get the vaccine until at least May. 
and Biden hasn't said a word about what he'll do day one to alleviate the suffering of the American people. He's far too busy dazzling us with meaningless platitudes or pondering whether or not it's time for a woman war criminal to lead the Pentagon. Yet again, our country and our political parties have failed us. But they have not failed. What we are experiencing now, the crushing cruelty that is the American experience, is the result of our society and our economy and our government working exactly as intended. You might not guess it if you're a regular listener to this show, but I actually am quite hopeful about the future. Most of my listeners are young adults, and we're going to be around for quite a few more years. I believe that it is possible for the world to become a compassionate, just, clean, and peaceful place. But we don't get there like this. The Joe Bidens and the Nancy Pelosi's and the Kamala Harris's and the Mayor Pete's of the world want to sell you the dream of a romantic new world ruled by benevolent elites who always meet in the middle for the sake of sportsmanship and compromise. It's just a game to them. In order to fulfill the promise of a new future, we need to unite with one another around our common humanity. The only way that we can fight back is through solidarity. When you see a man lying in the street, recognize that he is your brother and lift him up. If you're interested in joining the fight for a better tomorrow, check out the last link in the description. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe and share it with your friends. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History. Signing off.